guys, you're listening to Crosstalk, a podcast brought to you by Republic Polytechnic's Diploma in Mass Communication and the Singapore Red Cross. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Crosstalk, a local podcast brought to you by the Republic Polytechnic Diploma in Mass Communication and Singapore Red Cross. I'm Nas. And I'm Razik. I would like to introduce you to two important guests from the Singapore Red Cross Academy, and they are... Uh, I'm, I'm Yuping. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michelle from Singapore Red Cross Academy. Okay! Woo! You almost said I'm Michelle over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so would you like to tell more about yourselves? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm Yuping. Um, I'm actually one of the associate instructors under the Singapore Red Cross Academy. So basically, this is like uh, my part-time job. I teach first classes while being a full-time SIT student. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So for me, wise, uh, I'm a full-time staff with Singapore Red Cross Academy. Then, uh, so what I do is probably just um development stuff and also teaching, um, day to day as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, uh, are you a teacher or are you just an instructor? In, instructor la. We we call ourselves as instructors. Oh, yeah, I but see. But we actually sort of doing similar roles as a teacher as well. Oh. So instead of like in day to day when in secondary school, your teachers actually teachers use math and stuff, right? So we are we teachers everyone per se. So different causes day by day. But who is the senior out of you two? In terms of uh... <laughs> Okay, let's talk about let's not talk about age because you know we're not not talking about age. I mean as in like who is the senior instructor like from both of you? We actually started off like quite together, la, mm. like somewhat like same batch mm. thing. Uh in terms of seniority, I would say she actually has more experience as compared to me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um can you tell us more? What is first aid actually? Okay, so um first aid, so if you actually just split the two words up, then it's actually like the aid that you do when you actually the the first thing you do when you actually help the person, right? Yeah. So um if you were to actually bring in the definition, it's actually just the assistance that we do we render to the casualty before any paramedics or medical helps arrive to the scene. Uh it's actually important, of course, because mm-hmm. um uh Every second counts, so the earlier we actually help and uh, render aid, right, the faster, like, it will increase the, promotes the recovery of the casualty. So you're like a paramedic, but in plain clothing. Yeah, the said. first responder <laughs> in, the, in the community setting. Oh, in the ah, community setting. Yes. Oh, okay. Paramedics are like professional people that comes in. So Ambulances. They, yes, the yes. ambulance. I would like to say that um, the first aider is like the bridge, so the middleman between the casualty to the paramedic. Mm. Yeah, so it's like the person that actually helps them to link up mm. okay wait I need to ask what, do you think all these well first aiders are paramedics no I meant what I meant was they would be the people who are they are like paramedics because they give CPR and whatnot, but they are they're not wearing you know official uniform or anything that's what I meant okay yeah. pause on that do you guys have official uniforms besides the vest that you're wearing right now Hmm. Oh, we wear vests when we teach class, but then we don't wear vests when we do first aid on someone. <laughs> you put on, right? You put on when someone did Yes, we are not Superman. So yeah, we don't do that. But as in like, um, we, when we do first aid duty representing the Singapore Recall Society, we do have like a particular attire like to identify ourselves as first aiders. Mm. But of course, when we are out with our friends or out with our family members, when someone is in need of help, then of course, we will just be wearing civilian's okay, costume yeah. or attire mm. and then like attending to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see, uh, you know when we talk about first aid, you know it stirred some memories inside me. Back in 2016, right, I was actually a first aider. Yeah. I certified because um the school sent me. <laughs> he always, always brags about his I certification. First this is aid, the first uh. time I'm actually bragging. You know, it's like this episode, right? So anyway, um, 
I was certified I think for about a year or two because I only practice it once, right? So then I don't even see any casualties. So the reason why I didn't really certify because in my head back in 2016, I was like, hmm, I'm in the guitar club. Why do I even need first aid? And also, I even my mom's a nurse at home. So what what significance would that be for me? So I would like to know if there is if what I was thinking was right. Or if was is there any other opinion or perspective that you can provide to counter this mm. opinion of mine? I think it's nice to hear that your mom is a nurse. I think that's great. Like nurses are awesome people. But anyway, for <laughs> your I think the reason why your school wants you to like get the certification, even though you're in guitar club, because any incident or accident can happen anywhere. Even mm. like when you're in your CCA, something could happen, and then like your mom is not there because your mom is a hospital attending <laughs> the patients there. So it probably needs students like you guys to be on the ball on the ground to actually assist anyone that needs help. Then also, um, probably the reason why like more schools are advocating younger like youths to actually take out the course is because actually in Singapore, we are trying to aim to have every first aid, uh, at least one first aider in every home. So the best platform is actually through schools law. Yeah, so mm. that could be a possible reason too. Mm. So nowadays, a lot of people actually comes to take courses. So um, they can be actually at the age of 12 all the way to actually um, 30, 40s or 50s. So um, usually when they actually come to attend the courses, right, they actually um, either something happened at home, so they know that, oh, okay, first aid is important, so that I need to be prepared mm. to know, okay, so anything happened again, I will be able to actually uh, pick up the, uh, uh, react accordingly. So this, some, are, some of the issues here is like that. Uh, they, they find the motivation to actually come for the course. Mm. Mm, correct. Mm, then so, also, mm-hmm. uh, just to add on, I was just thinking like, because of um, the experiences they had back home, right? That's why they come out first aid courses. That's why we, as uh, first aid instructors, we always advocate to um, don't let incident happen already, then you come for it. Mm-hmm. It's always prevention is better than cure. Like you, be- you want to be ready to be able to address the injuries or incident that took place than to regret that you actually never learned, then you go and learn. So that's why like we always advocate like uh, if you have time, if uh, you have the ability, you have the strength, you are young, you are like filled with energy, then why not come for first aid class? Uh, you just take maybe like two days of your time mm-hmm. and then you'll get certified and you'll get like lots of knowledge that you can actually have and be ready to help your loved ones or even like the neighborhood that you're living in. Mm. I'll admit something. I've Since I've never learned anything about first aid or never even took like workshops or programs or whatever, I've never even attended when the school had a... Singapore Red Cross event. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, guilty. I did, however, read a, a poster from a clinic once what, what to do when someone's having a stroke. And I actually accounted someone having a stroke. So would first aid apply in that uh, in that situation? Mm, in our classes, we teach about stroke. We uh, teach the understanding of how to recognize the stroke casualty. Because um, for stroke cases, right, it's something uh, like it could be a blood vessel that actually like bursts in the brain or like there's a blood clot at the brain. And when this happens, every second counts. So for you to be able to identify someone with a stroke, it's very important because this will help to increase the survival rate of a casualty. So yeah, in first aid, we do actually advocate for like recognizing of a stroke patient, even though you might not be able to do much because it's something about the brain. Yeah. But for you to be able to call SCDF995 is already a very good helping hand for the casualty there. So, you know, talking about stroke and all, right, and reacting to all of these possible scenarios that can happen out in Singapore, um, do you now think that uh, first aid should be something that every youth should know? Uh, <laughs> we'll say that it's important, like uh, like what uh, Wee Ping mentioned. So, like, what we actually want to advocate is that she having the one first aider in every home. Mm-hmm. So, we actually encourage them from, so from young, they actually learn first aid and everything. So um, 
we also like to emphasize like cost per seat is like life skill. A lot of people will think that it's just a one time off kind of thing. But um like what you like you mentioned, right? You actually went for mm-hmm. first aid classes. So right now, even if you didn't go for recertification, which I'm I'm still not very sure why you actually didn't <laughs> go for recertification, <laughs> uh, but you actually still remember bits and yeah. bits and parts of things, right? Like, oh, I knew uh, if let's say it's a bleeding, then I need to what, what will you do if let's say it's a bleeding if case? If it's a bleeding, uh, we'll have to run it under cold water. <laughs> no, that's burn. <laughs> I just said it. Okay, I think it's just I, a, Okay, you see, that's the thing. I think for me, like, this is coming from me personally, I, you are supposed to remember A, B, C, D. I remember A and D. That's it. <laughs> the start and, and how is it supposed to look like initially and after. Yeah, so, that's why it's important for like learners to actually come back for refresher courses. Mm. And also because actually in first aid, right, there's a constant change or update in our curriculum based on the doctors or the team, like, the council members. They will constantly update the curriculum and then there could be changes in the first eight uh, methods and stuff so mm. sometimes our learners that come back for refresher they realize eh, last time I didn't learn this this is a new method mm. then we'll explain the, the scientific reason behind why there's a change in the, the methods and stuff and mm. then they'll realize oh okay so it's actually good for com- to come for refresher causes if you expire line you're so expired mm. <laughs> yeah so you can consider. Hey, Rasik, maybe you can take lah. <laughs> They're really offering, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, I want to address like some concerns that people have. Uh, like especially my group age. When I perf- when I uh, saw the symptoms of someone having a stroke that, on that day, I had a traumatic experience because I didn't know exactly what to do. I just called. So uh, let's address that for a moment. Why why do youths usually experience this uh, reaction when it comes to you know performing first aid? We will, we will assume that okay, because maybe they are actually not trained. So mm. when they actually go for courses, we'll uh, we actually emphasize and advocate that you need to be calm when you actually experience a you know, and you actually find a casualty kind of thing. Then what are the steps by step by step kind of guide to to go through and stuff like that? So um some of the youths might be scared of blood maybe. Then that's why they mm. actually go they now go for causes or mm. uh maybe they find that the causes is actually too long. Like because usually now um our standard per state causes is two days, they are not able to actually afford to go for such a long causes. So that's why. But even being said that, um we will still feel that it's actually more important to be prepared. Like for example, like you actually mentioned, right, traumatic and stuff, mm. right? So we are not able to actually react at that point in time. So even so when you actually go for causes, we'll be prepared. So you'll know what to do. So anything happens at home or uh, or the similar situation uh, arise again, you're able to actually help and assist. Because mm. every second counts. So um the earlier we actually step in to assist, the it will promote the recovery of the casualty uh better. Mm. Yeah. But that being said also, actually for myself, when I first learned in secondary school, right, as a first aid, a Red Cross cadet, um, when I attend to a casualty, I also panic myself, even though I have the first aid skills in hand. Mm. Because I think as a youth in general, you just don't know if you're doing the right thing or not. And then you are just worried about like making mistakes to the casualty and worsening the condition where I'm not supposed to worsen the condition. Mm. But I um but at the end of the day, when we reflect back, um just fall back to the four P's, which is the principles of first aid. Why are we doing first aid? And is my method do do I do this method? Can this method help this person? If yes, then I go ahead. If no, then okay, is there another method that I can address? Um helping the person always put the person before ourselves like we have emotions lah but after that i think after you attend to the casualty and stuff you feel like um slightly affected like the trauma that you feel and mm. stuff it's always good to speak to someone psychological first aid is very important so lah as a first mm. uh, as a first aider ourselves we also need to know how to take care of our own mental health so if you really feel like you you want to help but you're scared speak to someone mm. about it uh try to help first 
after that, go and speak to someone about it, talk about the situation you're at. That's what I did. Lah. Whenever, mm. That time when I encountered a CPR case, when I had to do CPR on the casualty, I reflected quite uh, a, f- a few times, like thinking I did the correct method, was mm. my method right? Um, then I started to text my senior to talk about yeah, it. I had the same too. Yeah. I was like, I'm very nervous that I did something wrong. Mm. So mm. always speak to someone if you are like worried and concerned because as in, I, w- I would say, I would rather you to help than to just see a person being there and then, not being helped by anybody. Yeah, everybody high power. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> high power, still power. <laughs> but it's okay. You brought, both of you brought up something important. Like, youths, uh, you know, you, Michelle brought up about youths uh, finding it very mafan, very troublesome because too many days, right? Or two days, also too many days these days. Uh. And then also, you also mentioned about um, being not confident and, you know, disinterested. So, this is something I just came up with. Uh. What if, right, you get, if a TikTok video about first aid was made and then after that, it goes through the four piece also, but it's a very fast 30 second video. Do you think that would actually interest you more to take up first aid? I think yes. And also actually, Singapore Red Cross have this um, AR, augmented uh, reality, they actually created, mm. whereby uh, there will be this uh, mannequin that will appear. And then you can do like, you can yeah, try to do... steps and everything. So we actually go through the steps of um, how do you actually perform CPR, the DRS ABC. Mm. So um, you actually prompts you step by step kind of thing. So this is one of the features that is actually being um you know uh promoted by Singapore Red Cross. Okay. Mm. Are there any other features? Because I remember I was walking at the Pasiris, uh, rehab center. There was this like pinball machine where you can perform the CPR. Uh, so was yes. that but done by you guys? It's by a university. They actually did our project, right? Mm. Mm. So uh, there's this um station being set up at different Safra clubs, mm. So uh, the idea is to actually advocate and promote um public to actually learn CPR and that machine right when you actually compress you'll be able to see whether you actually um did your compression effectively or not like whether you actually hit the de- uh, depth of the compression and stuff like that yeah so mm. um if I'm not mistaken it's actually an initiative by Singapore Heart Foundation also mm. they actually collaborated oh, yeah mm. okay so um Yuping and Michelle you have brought this doll here today um for those listeners who are wondering what this doll is um it's basically the mannequin for uh, CPR training, right? If I'm not wrong. And what's the name again that you gave this? Mini N. Ah, Mini N. Don't even look like an N. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, on the topic of Mini N, right? <laughs> so we are saying the name, but um, what has this dummy got to do with CPR at all? So this is the mannequin that we usually use when we actually train or uh, teach us CPR. So CPR is actually um, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. So uh, we do CPR or we perform CPR when our when we actually find a casualty who is actually unconscious and not breathing. So when a casualty turns unconscious and not breathing, right, the heart stops pumping as well. So there's no circulation of 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 uh, oxygenated blood to our vital organs. So mm-hmm. it's important for us to actually perform CPR right then. Okay, because every second counts. Because uh, to we need to do it bef- within four to six minutes before the brain damage starts to occur. Because uh, at, for every minute pass, right, ten percent um of survival rate decreases as as each minute goes. So yeah, so uh, it's our good buddy, I would say, for the for many kids, <laughs> and uh, to so is a tool that we actually use to teach us our compression. Uh. so our our learners will actually use this to practice. Mm. So there are exact areas where you should push into the CPR. Right? Ah yes, correct. So um. We so for the mini end that you actually see here, there's this bulging component there, right? So mm-hmm. that's uh that's the uh that's the area that we actually where uh compress our 
do a, do our compression. So in theory, if you were to actually refer to as in interior, if you actually go for causes, uh, that area we are, we call it the lower half of the sternum. Sternum is the medical word for breastbone. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But in layman, right, like when you see a casualty, you won't be able to see where's the breastbone and anything, right? Mm. So, uh, we will actually say it's the um at the center of the chest. Ah, mm. uh, so center of chest wise, you need to make sure that it's actually from your shoulders to around this about half your area. Yeah, it's not towards your to to your legs. Cause if you actually mm. towards the legs, legs, right? It's actually called the half body, not the chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to know exactly where's the chest. So at the center of the chest, that's the area where you're actually gonna uh, gonna compress. Because if you actually take it from the shoulder all the way to our legs, right? Um the center of this half body is actually called the seaford process. So it's a it's a hollow area where we actually press in, um, we'll break the bone. Then we actually uh, punctured through the liver that's behind, so causing more injury to the casualty. So that's where like you uh where we actually have some learners right. You actually share with us like oh, uh when we actually do CPR, we can hear the cracking sound like yes right yeah. yeah. So like we are not very sure. So they will actually starts to hesitate like whether am I doing the right thing? Yeah. So uh what we actually what we will tell them is that you need to uh move your hands lah. So maybe oh. you're actually at the wrong position. That's where you hear the cracking sound. If you hear the crack, that means he's dead. La. <laughs> 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 it's just the, the, the rib cage. Count, oh, it's right? just the rib cage. Right? But then, of course, in our first aid classes, our CPI-AD classes, we'll definitely correct our learners on the correct positioning, making mm. sure that they practice, 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 and know like where how they can locate the landmark properly and stuff. So that is what first aid instructors are there for, la, is to teach you all the right method to do good compression, quality CPR on a casualty that is unconscious and not breathing. If I hear correctly, there is one song that can, you know, help you guide through doing the hundred beats per minute, right? Which is the BGs staying alive. Is that is that true? Or? That's quite a few. That's quite a few. Oh, that's quite a few. I mean, like it's hundred to hundred twenty mm. beats per second, right? Per, per minute. Per minute. Per second. <laughs> the person died. Like okay, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that there are songs to help out. So in like your causes, right, do you actually um say this fact out loud or is it just an unspoken fact that you can look yeah. up online? So uh, what we emphasize in class, right, like what we've mentioned is actually effective um CPR compression. So for in order to actually do effective CPR compression, we need to hit the depth of 4 to 6 cm at least 4 to 6 cm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the rate of compression, like what you all mentioned about the song and everything, um, the rate of compression has to be between 100 to 120 compression per minute. So usually what we do in class is we actually advocate them to count like 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 all the way to 30. Like 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. So this way. So in um, some of the learners that doesn't really know how to count, right? Because you need to do together when you do compressing and then you count. So some of them not, not able to actually multitask and stuff like then we'll this is where we actually introduce them the songs and stuff. Mm. So uh there's this there's many songs online. You can actually go to Spotify and go and Google actually. So you just click in Cibra song track or something. So they actually <laughs> give you the 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 list of songs. So staying alive is one. And then uh now just one. Just one. Have fun. Yeah. Yes, oh my god. Okay, this is this is just funny. Can you imagine if you have to do your CPR? Then in your in your earbuds, right? You just play girls just wanna have fun. You pop in your Spotify and you just listen immediately. Okay, I have to do it now. <laughs> so the idea was to actually get them to have the muscle memory. So listen to the song, follow the beat, and then uh if really there's a situation like this where you go to actually oh Okay, I remember the uh, the rhythm. Then I'll just go with the rhythm. The key thing is to be consistent when you're doing your compression. 
Yeah, then another song we would like to introduce is also the Baby Shark. La. So with this rhythm, right, it can reach 115 compression per mm. rhythm, which is within the within range. The, la. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If I was the one receiving uh, the CPR and the person doing it was humming <laughs> that song, I think i say, I'd rather meet my God really at this point. <laughs> I don't worry, you know. I don't, at least if like, okay, because um, some songs are indeed, uh, it's good that songs are being used, you know, in classes and stuff. But I think some people, is there an instance where some people take this too far and, you know, try to joke, uh, they will like, instead of taking this seriously, it'll be, uh, it'll get worse for them because they can't really take it seriously because of the songs. Or they joke around. Yeah. Kind of thing. Is there any instances? I think so far for the learners that we actually encounter, um, they, they take it seriously because I think, because we actually start the object, or we, we, we set the objective at the start of the lesson to actually tell them that these things is a real case mm. um, and it can really happen anytime any, 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 anywhere so uh, when we actually set the objective at the start they will actually all the learners actually take it very seriously so mm. I mean for my experience I, I don't have any uh, learners that actually take it lightly la. Mm. but they, they are the one that actually ask me all these questions because like in, in theory we'll say oh go with the beat 100 to 120 then you will have mm. this question like eh, so how do you really count 100 to 120 I mean, it's mm. easy to say 100 mm. to I can teach you how to count 1 and 2 and 3 mm. and 4, but my counting <laughs> is different from your counting. Yes. Yeah, so this is where your the music comes in handy. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, oh, yes, okay, the rhythm. Okay, mm. I can, I understand now. So this is some of the things that I actually teach in school. Mm. And um, we have learners that actually feedback and say, that, hey, this is really very useful. So if I don't know how to count 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, then I can actually listen to the rhythm. Because what if yeah. the participant is actually uh, a Mandarin, like they cannot speak uh, English. Mm. Can I count in Chinese? Well, of course you can. It's not the counting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the, it's the, the, the consistency yes, that we actually want to focus more on. Mm. So um, in the course of the 100 uh, counting, right, when is the part where you start breathing in? Okay. Mm. So <laughs> okay, right now, right, because mm. the syllabus changed. So actually, lay rescuers like us, they are not medically trained. The yeah. only thing we need to do is just continuous chest compression until the paramedics arrive and tell you to stop because they are ready to take over. Or when there's an AD that comes to, and the pads are on, everything is ready, and the AD machine says analyzing heart rhythm, and then you can stop your CPR. Or when the casualty himself or herself starts breathing. So these are moments when you start stop CPR. So right now our CPR context, right, for all lay rescuers. It's just to do continuous chest compression. So, mm. sorry, so you do it continuously until the paramedics arrive? Mm, until the three scenarios, like what you can mention. Okay. So, oh. in the past, like uh, you learned before, right? Yeah, SFA, okay. as in first aid. So, in the past, when they actually go through, they actually talk about the 30 chest compression to two ventilation. Yes. This is still in syllabus. But because, um, what they actually, there's a research that actually bring, um, uh, found out that, right, a lot of um, lay person or passerby, they are not willing to do CPR because of the ventilation. Oh, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, it, yes. in this situation, like when we're actually in a pandemic, right? Would you be like comfortable you to actually do touch mouth to mouth to, to, yeah, to yeah. the casualty? So a lot of people might think that oh, uh, they have the misconception that oh, uh, I cannot do ventilation. I don't want to do ventilation, so I don't do CPR. Mm -hmm. But in fact, with effective chest compression, uh, effective, uh, effective chest compression, you can still actually increase the survival rate. The, of the person can still help the person even without without ventilation. the ventilation okay. so that's why we actually advocate more uh, now on chest compression only uh, hands only compression and then uh, only the three scenarios that we mentioned then you will stop 
Okay. So, do you still remember the three scenarios? Uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe one more time. Okay, this is a good one. Maybe you want to repeat the three scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay one, more, one more time. Uh. So, it's when Kashti starts breathing. Second, is when paramedics radio take over. Okay, and over. third, is when the AED is analyzing the Kashti's heart rhythm, you can stop CPR. So, your turn. <laughs> I, I, I forgot instantly. Yeah. I just know AED uh, say, okay, again. Uh, <laughs> analyzing. Okay. Analyzing. Casualty, casualty, breathing, and then when the uh, paramedics arrive, right. right. yes. mm. oh, okay. we just oh. walk yes. everything. <laughs> yeah. Are good enough? Yes, yeah. yes. Just these three uh, scenarios, lah. So in a situation that you don't know how to do compression or you are uh, you forgot about the steps and anything, right? So important thing is you call for SDF nine nine five. So the operator over on the other hand, right? They will be able to actually guide you through the mm. steps. So they mm. ask you, so uh, is the person breathing? So if let's say the person is not breathing, then uh, can you start CPR right away? Then they will count with you. So they oh. will actually uh, focus and emphasize to push up, push fast. Mm. Hard as in mm-hmm. need to reach the depth mm-hmm. and then fast is to actually go with the rhythm. So earlier on, you said you had the first-hand experience in performing CPR, right? Mm. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Mm, I had two experiences actually, but both uh both experiences are through the my respondent app that's initiated but initiated by SCDF. Mm-hmm. So actually they will actually send notification to anyone that downloaded their app and then we can choose to whether accept the case or reject the case if we are not able to attend to it. Mm-hmm. So um that time I was doing I was volunteering under Red Cross youth uh, event, then suddenly a notification came up, then me and my friend went to attend to the case. It was uh inside one of the HDB houses. Lah. Hmm. So when you reach, actually, the paramedics are already there and they are actually um, doing CPR on the casualty and there were, I think there were about like three or four of them around there. So me and my friend just went in to ask like, oh, uh, we are first aid trained, uh, do you need our help? That I think also maybe because we are wearing our Red Cross uniform, hmm. so they recognize probably our logo or something, then they, they felt like, okay, maybe we can, they can get our help. So they got us to um, gather information about the casualties, past medical history, and then help them to like pack up, uh, ask the family members to take the IC and stuff. So we try to do more psychological first aid um, uh, care for the family members that are there. Then uh, after that, halfway through, the paramedics asked if we know, if we learned, like, see, have we done CPR before? Then we said, yes, we have been training like people with CPR. So I went forward to help out and I took over the one of the paramedics CPR. So I just continued doing chest compression while the paramedics went to... Um, did the ventilations, get ready the stretcher, and then I just stayed with the casualty and one of the paramedics that is doing the um ventilation and another one doing the AED pads. So we are working in a okay, three man team. That one, right? Uh the yeah. one that they paste on the person's body. Oh, oh, oh ah, the yeah, one on top and one on the bottom. Ah, yeah, the hut there. Mm. Yeah. So um it like it was like a three man team working together. So I was the first responder that's helping doing the compression. Then there's one paramedic doing the ventilation, and then there's another paramedic doing the AD. So that was a like a team effort. Then I think after a while, like about four minutes or so, then the paramedic said, Okay, we are ready to go. Let's send the casualty to um to the hospital. And then we start then we like helped to transport the casualty on the stretcher and they took off. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Actually, that you mm. become part of the three man team. So, is it just you're working with SCDF, right? So that means it's people that you first never even meet before. Mm. So, what? How does it feel like to work alongside someone to save someone's life? Mm, mm. I think, as in, probably at that point of time, um, me and my friend attending to the case is our first thought is like the paramedics were not there yet. That's why we wanted to uh, reach the scene first and then like help as much as we can till the paramedics arrive. Um, being there when we reached the scene right, and we saw paramedics um, 
we felt reassured like wow the paramedics reaction very fast and efficient so by then we thought like since we are here already we might as well just ask if they need an extra hand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um how we felt about it i think as in like uh the, the paramedics were quite appreciative of our assistant we were quite afraid that they might like and like they look like because we are just first responders right mm. so they might think that we might not be of any assistance to them but actually mm. they do appreciate all help that is given mm. so if let's say you are just a passerby walking past and you see paramedics attending to a case uh out of courtesy you can just try to ask like oh do you need my help uh i can help uh i'm a first aid trained person or like uh, i've learned first aid before though expired but then you still remember some basic skills you mm. can still check out with them and see whether they need help so they are sometimes they, they are quite appreciative uh, when extra help is able to be there for them lah. yeah mm. you mentioned uh psychological first aid just now mm. uh what were some of the questions for to comfort the the victims uh family members so what we can do is just uh asking them to do things to let them feel like oh, okay i can value add to the situation now i can help my dad to do something i can help my husband do something so like we just ask them to like gather some of the items that they need to bring to a hospital and like um and just check in with them like uh Sometimes we might not even need to check in like how they are feeling because mm. at that point of time it's really quite like the critical situation for the whole family. Mm. So the only thing we could do is to like um be there for them and then just um slowly instructing them like okay maybe you can help me to uh maybe um mother you can find the your husband's IC mm. then um daughter you can go and get your dad's clothes and stuff so that mm. y'all can go head to the hospital once the paramedics are ready mm. and then we get them to like like pack up a little bit. So it was more of like organizing their thoughts and then getting them. Uh, sector a little bit better. It really depends on that part of time what the family members need. At the part of time, the family members need um like need to know um I think more of like uh what are they supposed to do now? Because right now their their father or their husband is lying there on the ground. They can't do anything because they have no first experiences. Mm. They are just standing there, uncertain of like feeling super used, like um helpless at that part of time. Mm, yeah. So in a sense, getting the act together. Like. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, keeping it cool, lah. Keeping, keeping it cool. cool. There's keeping another cool. word we can describe that, but I'm not going to use it, of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but of course, uh, you know, being there to help people, I'm pretty sure it's very interesting. You know, it's like you are impacting someone's life in a positive way. So, in a sense, um, I would say, uh, do you feel good about it? Like, mm-hmm. do you think these small nuances where you help people and any of you can answer this or maybe both of you do you feel so good do you feel so, heroic yeah do you feel yeah. heroic is it but more heroic like what you say yeah. I, uh, I feel it's important for us to be able to be the first responder in the in this like in the public in the community to help others because like what we mentioned earlier on uh, we are trying to like advocate to have a first aider in every home mm-hmm. so that, that we are always ready to help when there's an emergency happen be it big or small there's always a first aider or first responder there ready to help mm-hmm. yeah Okay. Yeah, that's a very, <laughs> very uh good answer. So after this talk about CPR, you know, we've been discussing and all. I guess it's time we can move on to the demo. What do you think, Razik? Uh yeah, we can try to perform on this uh mini N, right? That's that's yes. her name. Yeah. Uh and for our you know audio listeners, you can check out on Singapore's uh Red, Singapore Red Cross YouTube channel uh to see the full video of us doing this CPR as a, a demonstration. <laughs> okay, so there are some misconceptions that Nas and I have heard about CPR, first aid especially. Um, so can you address some of them, whether it is fact or whether it is fiction? Okay, so the first one is, when someone has a head injury, we should do everything we can to keep them awake. Um, it's important for us to actually talk to the casualty. So when we actually find a casualty, it's important for us to actually reassure, give comfort. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, I, the important thing we actually like to emphasize here is to actually monitor the 
the vital signs of the casualty. Mm. So if you're actually able to actually talk to the casualty, um, keep them awake, that, that would be good. But if let's say they actually suddenly they actually went into uh unconscious state, then um you need to know what to do lah, uh and um react accordingly. The important thing is to be there and monitor the vitals of the casualty. Mm. Mm. Then in our first aid classes, we also will teach our learners a little bit more in-depth of how to recognize someone that's conscious, semi-conscious or unconscious, like signs and symptoms to recognize like this thing called the ABPU. So actually, if you are keen to find out more about like, or to learn more about first aid and like learn a little more in-depth, right, you can check out our Singapore Red Cross website, which is called the redcross.sg website. Yeah, just check it in and sign up for our classes. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> okay. She's hinting ready. Yeah, so yeah. Better go sign up. If she doesn't see me, I'm dead. Eh? <laughs> okay, so the second one, right? Uh, okay, let me think off the top of my head. Which one is it? Oh, I remember now. Um, If there's a burn on your hand or anywhere on your body, you put toothpaste, is that true or false? Mm, mm. The reason why you put, to put toothpaste, right, is because they want to cool it off. The cooling reason, the reasoning for cooling is true, but then putting toothpaste is false because toothpaste might cause some allergic reaction we don't know or it could be like a bit um dirty and stuff so actually ra- tap run- running um uh, tap water running down what do you running, running, tap- running, running tap water, water. <laughs> running down water <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah water. it's good enough yeah okay. oh, so that's good enough really yes, oh, yes. i have been doing it all wrong my whole life <laughs> okay all right so the third one is when someone is having a seizure stuff something into their mouth for them to buy on. Is that fact or fiction? Okay, so when you actually found a casualty who's having seizure or it's uh, we usually call, um, make sure that you don't never stuff anything into the mouth because by doing that, you're actually causing more interest, uh, more injuries to the casualty because when the casualty is having seizure or it's the, the muscles tends to be tense up. So when they actually force open the mouth or anything, right, you're actually causing more harm to the casualty so um what we need to do as a first aider is to actually just make sure you uh will actually follow the the action the acronym action now uh. so a stands for um assessing, assessing the, the danger <laughs> yeah make sure there's no uh hard object around the casualty <laughs> then c refers to cushioning so you cushion the head area first the head is the most important part of the casualty of the of, of body right so you cushion the area put a bag or pillow uh, underneath supporting the head then um, what's after C? T. T. <laughs> is the time. So the time of the duration, duration of the seizures lah. Then I is the identity. So like whether the casualty has any um um tag around to actually say that she um he or she actually has a seizure case before things like that. O is over. So it's to see how long um the seizure over, and then uh once it's over, put the casualty into recovery position, as in to them to one side to allow the airflow of the casualty, opening the area of the casualty. La. Then all this, you will learn this in our first aid courses also. So after O is N, N which is never, la, like what we mentioned, never stuff anything into the mouth, yeah. never give any food or drinks to the casualty, never restrain the casualty as well. Because there's this common myth that we need to pull, like restrain the casualty, prevent them from like jerking around, hitting and causing more injuries. But, when you actually restrain them, this is the part where you actually cause more harm. What is it? Because the body involved, you are because they are involuntary. The muscle. Yes. yes, correct. Mm. It's tensing up. Now I know why it takes the course two days because you have to learn a lot of acronyms, right? <laughs> Bro, seventy pages, eh. seventy <laughs> yeah. pages, and like the the test. I think if I'm not wrong, it's only uh, it's a it's a short quiz, right? At the end. Uh, MCQ. Yes, you imagine you have to set it for one hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Lean forward. 
when you have a nosebleed. Otherwise, the blood will flow into your eyes and brain. Is that true? Uh, it's half true, as in the, the, the method that I still do, which is to lean forward, pinch the bridge of your nose, hold it there and allow the blood to stop. That one is true. But then the reason why we are doing that is not to prevent the blood the to blood. flow to your eyes and your what? Brain. Uh, no, a brain. And your brain. <laughs> so it's not. The reason why we are doing that is because we don't want the blood to flow back and choke your airway. Oh, oh yes, yeah, because it's oh. literally connected. <laughs> yes. It's connected right. to your mouth. And, mm. okay. So that's why, that's the reason why we lean forward and pinch the nose. Adding pressure will help to slow down the blood, to, to slow down the bleeding process as well. What mm. if people blow the blood out? You know, like blowing out the Like nose. sneezing out, right? Would yeah, it yeah. be wise to do that? We wouldn't advise that because you're actually creating more uh, like abrasion or like movement at the, the open wound area which might cause even more bleeding. Oh, so, so it's best just to just add, add slight pressure at the bridge of your nose and you just lean down. Mm. Lean forward. Mm. Okay. Okay. So now that, you know, we've covered all of those misconceptions, you know, I think I've learned a lot today. Yeah. Like, um, of course, like I say earlier, paise, paise, ah, the toothpaste thing, I also do. Right? It's like your typical grandmother, um, it's a grandmother's cure to every burn, you know? And growing up in Singapore, of course, all these things come into, pl- uh, <laughs> come into, uh, come into play. Um, so, of course, um, I think uh, after talking with you guys for quite a, quite a bit already, I've learned some things, like some new things, some old things that I've um, rediscovered also with first aid. And after that, we talked about CPR. And really, it was really interesting because, as you can see, there are that one learning point that I think I um that I resonated with was the f- uh, first aid in every household mm. because I think that is important since uh, we are trying to preserve our family's livelihoods and also we can at the same time help other Singaporeans as well. So with that, right? Do you have anything else that you want to say before we um kind of close it off? Okay, so you can actually, um, you can, we would like to encourage more youths to actually sign up for our courses. So you can actually go to our website to find out the various courses available. So just like you mentioned, two days is too long, right? Yes. So we actually have like a one-day course that actually consists of a four-hours first aid modules. Mm-hmm. So all the common um, injuries, all the treatments and everything. And then uh, another four hours on CIPRA plus AU. Everything in one day. So all this information, you can actually go to our, uh, our website um, at redcross.sg. Or you can actually go to our um, Facebook at um, SG Red Cross. Mm. So all this information you can actually find uh, is available on uh, online. Okay. I think I might just uh, sign up for it because you know, after learning so much and you guys sharing your experience, um, especially I, I have a grandmother who's uh, who's suffering with dementia and she might have a stroke. So uh, maybe I will take part in it. Um, so to end it off, I think uh, I'd like to thank Michelle and Yupin for being our guest today. And um, yeah, so being our guest, thank you again for being our guest today. Yeah. And you know, we have learned so many things about uh, first aid, CPR, and even uh, cleared up some uh, misconceptions that all of, all of us grew up having with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Razik, you think it was informative? Yeah, it is very informative. And, and I, yeah. hmm, so I hope our listeners out there, right, they will truly appreciate these small little nuggets of information with regards to first aid. And maybe, maybe it will inspire the first aider in you. So with that, thank you again everyone for listening in to Crosstalk. See you again in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Crosstalk. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more episodes.